Welcome to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. We've got a lot to discuss what's going on with Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's lawsuit against MAGA Republican Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee. There was a Trump-appointed judge who was assigned the case and actually made a ruling uh, compelling Mark Pomeranz to testify before Jim Jordan's Judiciary Committee. Alvin Bragg immediately uh, appealed that to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, which stayed uh, that testimony from taking place. A stay just means a temporary pause while briefing takes place over the next 72 hours. So we should expect a ruling from the Court of Appeals next week there. We should talk about what's going on in uh, the Fulton County District Attorney's ongoing criminal investigation. A lot of updates uh, to report there as well. But Cohen, I want to ask you how you're doing. I want to make one observation first based on the last show. So we always start off in our political beatdown stance. And I happened to read a lot of the comments and they were all saying, you know, it looks like Cohen can kick your ass, Ben, like your stance is off. And I said to them, why is it a competition? You know, we're just trying to have some fun here. But Cohen, overwhelmingly, people think that you would beat the crap out of me. So it is what it is. <laughs> you know, what? we'll do it if you want any day that you want there, Ben, even even in my old age and so on. Uh, <laughs> I hate to, I would hate to mess up that pretty smile of yours, you know, but the, we could I do think, a political beatdown fun. I, I, hate, I, I hate to say it. I think that they're I think that they're right about this one. <laughs> you 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 have a background though though didn't you have a background in like jujitsu and and boxing though growing in, up in Muay Thai I fought Muay Thai for oh, many yeah. years yeah and, the, and I was never good with uh, with jujitsu and that would have definitely kept me out of the MMA uh, that's certainly for sure because my grappling is terrible you know these guys if you look to see the quality of their their fighting um, skills are incredible. They're limber as all, um, you know, I'm not certainly not anymore. I mean, the, you know, the way that they recover after a head strike or after a, um, you know, a leg strike, it's really phenomenal. They are truly incredible, incredible athletes. I've known many uh, over the course of the years. You may remember I had started for Trump years ago, a company uh, called Affliction MMA, and it was a partner with Affliction, the clothing line. And we did uh, what was supposed to be three fights in Anaheim, uh, California. Uh, we had Fedor Milianenko, who at the time was just a phenom. Uh, I mean, he was a Russian a samba expert. And I can only tell you that, I mean, I remember the very first fight against um, Tim the Maniac Silva, who was like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and Fedor is about my size, maybe 10 pounds heavier. Um, I mean, 205, 210, give or take. And that fight was over in 38 seconds. He hit uh, Tim so hard in the face. When Tim woke up, I remember asking him, are you okay? He goes, I thought I got hit by a truck. Uh, he goes, I never felt anything like that in my life. And Fedor was really a absolute phenom. But yeah, I I enjoyed uh, the, the mixed martial arts um, a lot. You see, I try to mix into the political beatdown. Yeah, we're gonna cover all a of little the personal, but okay. I, 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 try, I try I try to get the, I try to sneak it in um, when when it's done, just so people can learn a little bit more about you because. 
The reality is, is that, look, I love your other podcast, Mea Culpa, but on Mea Culpa, you know, you interview people. And so in you interviewing people, I think one of the cool things about political beatdown is everybody gets to know, or everybody thinks they know the Michael Cohen who's in the headlines, who they see in the congressional hearings, who they see exit the courthouse and speak, you know, to the press or or see on C, you know, CNN or MSNBC or or whatever news network, you know, you're giving an interview on. But you know, I, I like to sometimes remove the curtain a little bit and 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 show people who you know a little well, bit of you your really background. find anyway. if you remove the curtain, what you really find about me is what I really am the best at is being a husband and a father and a friend. You know, that's really that's really who I am. I mean, I'm going on, you know, very soon we're going on our 29th wedding anniversary. Um, you know, that's still going strong. This didn't derail any of it. And as a father, you know, anybody who knows me as a father knows that I live for my children. And, you know, it's one of the things that certainly Trump knew when the Southern District of New York, without any notice, without ever have meeting me or speaking with me, uh, threatened in 24 hours, in 48 hours, on a Friday at 5.30 p.m., that if I didn't plead guilty to whatever they told me to plead guilty, they were filing an 80-page indictment that would include my wife. And you know, had they said we have to take you into the back parking lot and you know put a bullet in your head, I would have accepted that too. And I'm not saying that uh, you know in a hyperbolic manner. I'm telling that's a fact. I would never allow anything to happen to my wife uh, or to my children. And um, they knew that, and that's why they went straight for the jugular on you know on that issue. But um, my goal during the course of my life is I will make each and every one of them pay for for doing that uh i will go after them uh you know um, their reputations their their professions and i will ensure the same way that i refuse to you know to take a seat back um and hold trump accountable i will hold these prosecutors accountable to the same extent that i will hold donald trump accountable for his dirty deeds just because they're prosecutors just because they're given a shield doesn't mean that they're supposed to abuse the system which i have repeatedly stated and again if you read revenge you'll understand exactly what i'm talking about the saddest part and the part that i end that book with is if it could happen to me I promise you it can happen to you. And I want to ensure that this never, ever, ever happens again to any American. It shouldn't happen to anyone. Well, first off, I want to say that I could personally attest to just what an incredible friend you are. Part of the journey we've had together setting aside the podcasts is um, just enjoy uh, your company talking to you. And inevitably, when I have the conversations to you, I don't think there's a single conversation that we have where you don't bring up your wife or your family or you're always on the run with them, always doing something. And, um, you know, in this day and age, you know, you, you don't always see a, a lot of that. So um, that's just something that I've observed, you know, what an incredible dad and, and husband and just overall person um, um, you are. But enough about complimenting you and getting yeah, back I into that. getting back, <laughs> getting back into the episode. I mean, you, you mentioned a good point there, though. You said, look, if this could happen to me, Michael Cohen, this could happen to anyone. Trump kind of uses the same projection, right? 
where Trump goes, if they're doing this to me, it could happen with everyone. But that's what is projection when Trump says it. Because with Donald Trump, it's like, no. Um, let's be very clear, Donald Trump. Like You're the one who falsified business records um, because you had um, sex with a porn star who then you paid hush money payments to in connection with an election. No, Donald Trump, you're the one who engaged in an insurrection. You're the one who won't accept free and fair elections. So no, you're the what one who is took, unprecedented you're the one who here. Took top secret documents, knew that they were top secret documents, stashed them at Mar-a-Lardo, got a lawyer, Christina Hobb, to acknowledge in an affidavit that that the place had been searched and no more documents exist. You're the one that refused to return the documents. That's all that he needed to do is return the documents. And that part of the Jack Smith investigation wouldn't even exist. So yeah, you're right, Ben. For that reason and all the others, it's not the same at all. You take it's a perfect example. Just take the case where special counsel Jack Smith is engaged in this criminal investigation of Donald Trump for stealing thousands of government records, right? Donald Trump leaves the White House. He gets advice from all of his lawyers. You can't take this stuff. It doesn't belong to you. You, you have to leave it here. Call the archives. And Trump goes, screw it. This is mine. They belong to me. And he goes, Tom Fitton, who's not even a lawyer at Judicial Watch, that idiot guy who wears the really tight shirts. He goes, mm -hmm. he says, he says, he says, I could take him. That, 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 that's how I'm going to take him. So he steals the documents. And by the way, then the National Archives is like, yo, did you steal the documents? He's like, no. They're like, come on, just can you give it back to us? He's like, I didn't take them. So the National Archives goes on a process for like a year. Hey, please return them to us. Nothing will happen to you. Just return them to us. There are no documents, Donald Trump says. There are no documents. Finally, in January of 2022, Donald Trump's like, all right, fine. You could take them. Stop. There's 15 boxes. It's mostly newspaper clippings. You come by Mar-a-Lago and you can pick it up. And then Donald Trump himself hides within newspaper clippings, top secret sensitive <laughs> compartmented information. So then the National Archives get this and they're like, holy shit, what is this? You, you have this, you have these records. So they're like, okay, we got to turn this over to the Department of Justice. So then the DOJ says, hey, do you have anything more? Do you have any of these others? Then Donald Trump has this lawyer, Evan Corcoran, basically say, no, yep. go away, executive privilege. We don't have any documents at all. And then the, and then the Department of Justice is like, really? You're going to go this way? Fine. We'll have to issue a subpoena. So just return it via a subpoena. Um, now it's a formal process. You don't want to cooperate. They send a subpoena and then Evan Corcoran and Christina Hobb sign a false attestation saying, okay, look, you got us. Here's a red weld folder. We've got 37 more top secret documents we found, but we're going to do an attestation under penalty of perjury, DOJ, that we have no other documents at all. And the DOJ is like, we know you're lying. And they're like, no, we're not. And then so finally, after all of that timeline that I gave, then August 8th, they execute a search warrant. And then he's like, they're weaponized against me and all the cult followers. But but Cohen, that's why facts matter on the beatdown. That's the timeline. Yeah. I mean, you're you, I mean, you nailed that timeline down. The only thing is, you know, you got Trump sitting there, you know, and saying there's just absolutely no reason at all that the FBI should have done this. They came in. 
They raided my home. First and foremost, just if you look to see the statements, if you read the statements that Trump put out on his untruth social, there's no line in that untruth social post that is true. First of all, Mar-a-Lago is not his home. The fact that you are living there, which you're not even supposed to, because no one's supposed to be there more than, I think, 10 days uh, on any given time. He's there because it's, you know, it's his club. It is a social club that has several hundred members who all pay a bond and they pay an annual dues in order to go there. You know, the fact that he wants to declare that to be his home, it is not, it is not as per a CFO or pursuant to zoning law, it is not a home. It was under uh, Marjorie Merriweather Post, whose home it used to be, when he bought it years and years ago, it was converted into a club. And so the zoning laws were changed as well. I mean, that in and of itself should tell you something. He uses it as if it, he owns it. He does not. It's actually owned by all of the bond members, all of the membership. So, you know, that's just the very beginning of the lies. But to try to understand Donald Trump's pathological nature and to try to understand the reason why every single thing that comes out of his mouth has to be either a distortion or a bold-faced lie. You know, nobody knows the answer to that. I think the only one who's kind of come close to giving the answer is Mary Trump because of her familial knowledge of how he was as a young kid. Uh, short of that, or you know, and his other, you know, his other relatives, specifically his siblings, you know, they'll tell you why he's such a pathological liar. So let's get the update on what's going on in Michael Cohen's world. You know, last week's political beatdown, uh, there the news broke that Donald Trump had sued you for five hundred million dollars in the Southern District of Florida in the Miami division. There looked like he was forum shopping there because he didn't want to go in front of Judge Middlebrooks uh, in the West Palm Beach division of the Southern District of Florida, who had just sanctioned him and Alina Haba close to a million dollars. So um, even though there's, I won't even give you how frivolous I think it is because I'll let, I'll let your lawyers point out how frivolous this case ultimately is, but nonetheless, still suing you for a lot of money. You got to take it very, very seriously. You know, you get served papers for $500 million. You're being summoned. You get served paperwork. Michael Cohen is summoned into court on a $500 million lawsuit brought by um, Donald Trump. So we know that's taking place. So I want to get an update there. And also um, in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud lawsuit against Donald Trump, Trump's lawyers, Alina Haba and others, they subpoenaed your deposition testimony there. So those are kind of the two most imminent things that seem to be on the horizon is what's going on with the New York Attorney General matter where Trump subpoenaed your testimony there? And then what's going on with, you know, your newly hired legal team? And have have you made any decisions yet on how you're going to respond to Trump's lawsuit uh, in the Southern District of Florida? Or, of course, you know, you're probably limited in what you can say. You can't get into attorney client stuff. But what, what, what can you tell the people? So let me start again with the New York Attorney General. That case actually was heard first thing this morning. 
um, before the judge. I brought in counsel uh, in order to uh, initially quash their um, subpoenas uh, based upon uh, several different um, aspects. I tie. I want to tie this for a brief second into the uh, what you call it, the case that's dealing now with the district attorney and Mark Pomerantz. You know, they want my deposition. They also want documents. They also uh, filed a subpoena, uh, Duchess Tecum. Uh, I then spoke to counsel who was representing me in those two subpoenas, and I said. I have no problem with testifying. I just want to ensure that the depositions are not going to impede upon privileged communications uh, or my um, connection as a as a witness before the grand jury in the DA's cases. I just wanted to ensure that only proper information, you know, and issues that are relative to the AG's complaint are areas that they can actually depose me on. And uh, counsel with Haba and her partners and so on, uh, they all came to an understanding. So I will be uh, deposed in the very near future on that case. I say that I want to bring that to the Mark Pomerantz issue because rest assured, there is nothing that I will tell them that I have not been saying for the last five years. Everything that I have said is consistent with what I had previously said because it's the truth and it's been determined not just by myself uh, and you know people who are close to me, but Mueller's team, even the Southern District of New York, who hates me with a passion because I'm so critical of them, even they acknowledge that everything I told them was truthful. They just didn't think that I told them everything. Now, when asked, well, what do you think that he didn't tell you missing? They were like, well, how would we know? So I said, well, if you don't know, how, what do you want us to tell you? It became a back and forth sort of chicken game. And they were like, well, you know what? We don't even care at this point. Um, you, know, we're, you know, we're proceeding, uh, you know, as we said that we were going to, and he needs to come in on Monday and plead guilty. But my testimony is not going to be beneficial. No matter how they want to ask the questions, it cannot be beneficial if they ask me <laughs> questions about some of the things that are, you know, in this uh, attorney general complaint. And I bring that up because I want to then again compare it to Mark Pomerantz. And I don't understand why Alvin Bragg is Mark Pomerantz is one very smart guy. And he knows exactly what he said. He knows exactly what he wrote in his book. And if you want to ask him questions about it, if you've read his book, which I have, there is nothing there that is complimentary or beneficial to Donald Trump. Now, the funny thing is there are things that I have said over the course of the past five years that actually are beneficial to Donald Trump. You may remember I stated that, you know, he never... Um, to the best of my knowledge, that there are no P-tapes in Moscow of him hiring prostitutes to urinate on uh, the bed uh, simply because Barack and Michelle Obama had slept on it one night. That's just not true. Uh, you know, over the years, I had heard people saying that they have it, that they, you know, they wanted to prove it to me. Nobody has ever been able to prove that they have any tape of such 
On top of that, there were also allegations that Donald had beaten up Melania in an elevator at Trump Tower. That's also not true. And I testified before the House Oversight Committee to that. And also my belief, knowing him and knowing Melania, whatever you may want to say about him, that's not that's not who the man is. He's not a physical guy. Uh, and at the same time, I do not believe, and I said it uh, publicly on television before the House Oversight Committee, that I don't believe that Donald Trump ever laid a hand on Melania. Certainly, there is no tape of him in an elevator. Uh, we checked on that. And so for that, the Republicans all said, well, that, for that, Cohen is telling the truth. But the part about the inflation of his assets for um, wealth status purpose, right? That's a lie. And the deflation for tax purpose, well, Cohen's lying again, right? Uh, and that Cohen lied uh, to Congress, right, about uh, the failed real estate project in Moscow, where I stated that I told Trump about it three times, when in fact I told him about it 10 times. That's the big lie. And for that, I was forced to plead guilty, which now gives Republicans, especially the maggots, the ability to turn around to say, well, he's a convicted perjurer, right? He's a convicted liar. And therefore, we can't believe anything that he says. Point being, and in conclusion here, what Mark Pomerantz will have to say about Donald Trump, I assure you, no different than my testimony that I intend to, you know, to give at this deposition. Nothing there is going to inure to the benefit of Donald J. Trump, either at this trial, meaning the New York State Attorney General, uh, or the New York City District, Manhattan District Attorney's Office. None of that will inure to his benefit. You know, we call the MAGA Republicans here on the Midas Touch Network professional rake steppers because they always step right into it. And all of these hearings that they've held completely backfire, right? They bring in these Twitter executives to try to demonstrate that Biden is weaponizing the government to uh, somehow uh, encourage Twitter to take down certain posts and do all of these things. And then the Democrats on the committee point out, Okay, Donald Trump was the government in October of 2020. Biden was not the president at that time. Sure, the Biden campaign asked that Twitter take down uh, certain tweets that showed Hunter Biden engaged in consensual sex acts because it violated Twitter's terms of service and just kind of sex shaming in general is a despicable thing. But Donald Trump repeatedly actually used the government to tell Twitter to take down posts that were unflattering of Donald Trump. And so that's an example right there. Here, it's like, be careful what you ask for as well, Jim Jordan. So you, let's just say you go through this process and you finally get the deposition of Mark Pomerantz. Um, you know, just so everybody knows the status, a Trump-appointed judge, Judge Viscasil, ruled that Pomerantz would have to testify. She found that there was a valid legislative purpose uh, behind uh, Jim Jordan's subpoena uh, to Mark Pomerantz. And the valid legislative purpose was that uh, Jim Jordan said that they're working on trying to pass a law to immunize former presidents from being uh, responsible for violating the law in uh, in states and, or from states from prosecuting former presidents, which is like the most absurd concept because Judge Viscasel in her 
uh, opening page. She goes, no one is above the law, referring to why Pomerantz has to testify. Right. Uh, you, you see it right there in the bottom line. And she goes, no one is above the law. Mr. Pomerantz must appear for congressional deposition. But then the justification that she accepts about why Pomerantz needs to be deposed is literally because the MAGA Republicans want to pass a Trump is above the law law, which would say you can't prosecute Trump. Just for everybody listening out there, that law will never be passed, just so you're not worried about it. But that's the fake reason they give about what gives them a legislative purpose. And Judge Viscasel was like, well, it's not my job as a federal judge to question what they claim their purpose is, as long as they say there's a purpose and here's what they claim. The status of that right now, though, for everybody wanting to know, is that the Court of Appeals, which oversees that federal court, has temporarily paused. They, they've issued what's called a stay blocking that deposition for at least a few more days, maybe into next week, order the parties to submit briefs. So Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg will submit a brief. Jim Jordan and the MAGA Republicans in the House Judiciary Committee will submit a brief. And then ultimately, the Second Circuit will make a ruling whether to affirm the ruling, saying that the deposition goes forward or overrule it. But even if they were to affirm it and not reverse it, you, you got Pomerantz there who's going to testify that Trump is a criminal. Pomerantz's complaint yes. against Bragg, Pomerantz's complaint against Bragg is the falsification of business records was too small of a crime. It's a crime, but go after the big crimes. This guy is a massive felon. Go after the bigger crimes first. And Bragg's whole point was, I'm just sequencing it my way. I want to go this one first, then I want to go to falsification. Well, it, like I said, Ben, it's not going to inure to the benefit of Donald Trump. I think it's a stupid move to try to um, think that you're going to depose the likes of a Mark Pomerantz, who <laughs> is a seasoned, seasoned RICO trial lawyer, right, um, who wrote his book. And you think that you're going to now be able to use that to show what? Some sort of a bias? Now, look, a lot of people are saying that he shouldn't have done it, that it's not proper simply because he was a former prosecutor and worked on it, and that there are things that, you know, you learn or obtain as a result of that position. Um, okay, maybe, but that's not, again, going to ignore to the benefit of Donald Trump. Now, if I can, again, combine this and then bring this to this baseless um, lawsuit that Trump served upon me a few days ago, uh, two days ago to be exact. Um, you know, he served me with this $500 million lawsuit. There's not a single person that I have read, and then there might be, but I have not read um, comments from any legitimate lawyer out there that doesn't believe this to be baseless uh, and designed to either harass or intimidate not just me, but really to anyone who is willing to stand up truth to power. If you decide that this is what you're going to do, you're going to stand up truth to power, understand that Donald Trump will sue you for $500 million. And again, as baseless and as stupid as they all are claiming this lawsuit is, that's because 
it's not them who's the named defendant in the action, right? Donald Trump versus Michael Cohen. It's on my back. And so, uh, you know, it's also incredibly expensive. Again, as stupid as this case might be, it still has to be defended. And um, it's not cheap. In fact, it's extremely expensive. And if we elect to hold him accountable, very much like in the Dominion case, holding Fox News accountable, well, now you have to proceed on to discovery. And discovery in this case is also going to be extremely expensive. And, you know, when I was having this conversation with um, American Patriots and Adam Parkmenko, he turned around, he said, you know, I don't care what you say, but I'm going to start a GoFundMe to help you with some of these legal fees. And I thanked him because, you know, I have footed the bill for everything so far that I can. And this is just a number that I cannot contend with at this stage right now. In fact, my lawsuit against Trump and the Trump organization is scheduled for July, whereby I have a lot of money that I had paid uh, to law firms uh, and that I still owe to law firms on his behalf. And that case is going to trial in July. And I'm truly looking forward you know, to that um, as well. So as far as that case is concerned, the $500 million baseless lawsuit, I have now retained counsel. And within a couple of days, probably uh, on our next show, I will announce who these um, attorneys are. And I can assure you, they're not uh, the clown car counsel that Donald Trump employs. These are real serious, legitimate civil litigators um, with extremely, extremely uh, reputable firms, and they themselves are extremely reputable. And right now, what we are doing is we are going through the complaint um, and legitimately pulling out everything that we can within which to not just strike these causes of action, but also once again, to hold Donald Trump accountable because this goes so much past just Michael Cohen. This is a attempt by Trump to harass and intimidate. It's obstruction of justice. It's to harass and intimidate potential witnesses or others who may be called to testify against him for the fear that you two will end up on the receiving end of a $500 million baseless lawsuit that you have to defend against someone who is extremely well-funded. Let's not forget, since the indictment, Donald's claim, and I think it's bullshit, but even though he still raised money, he's claiming that since the indictment that he claimed was coming on a Tuesday, and we all know that didn't happen, that he raised $17 million. I'm at like $160,000. Uh, I'm going to, this case is a seven figure case. So I will be reaching out to everybody and asking, please, you know, um, help me because this is not just about a lawsuit against Michael Cohen. This is about uh, holding somebody accountable and not permitting obstruction of justice. But I leave that up to you um, and to pass it along to, you know, others on your social media platform. 
And I leave it at I leave it at that. But this is all about accountability. And if somebody doesn't stand up, do you realize how much easier that it would have been for me had Donald Trump not betrayed me, had our relationship not soured, had I not um, agreed to provide testimony and information and documentation to, uh, say, the district attorney's office or to the Mueller team or whoever it might have been. Could you imagine what would have happened? Chances are, like Paul Manafort or Roger Stone or so many others, I would have received a pardon. Chances are I'd be working for either Fox News or Newsmax or one of these other mega donor Republicans that don't care about truth, that don't care about our democracy, that only give a shit about their bottom line and appeasing a party of one. That's, of course, Donald J. Trump. How much easier that it would have been for me instead of, as some of you would like to note, and many people do on social media platforms, oh, Cohen, you look terrible, you look sick, you look like you're exhausted and falling apart. Well, I am, and I am because these are the documents that I'm constantly going through every single day, and these are the subpoenas, these are the lawsuit, you know, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of uh, going through old information that... Going through that old information is not easy on your soul or your heart. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's not easy. And so I got extremely early in the morning, like 4 a.m., and I'm, you know, working to try to provide as much information to my attorneys as I have. And that way, we not only do we post the best defense we can, but at the same time, we hold the orange man accountable because that's what this country, not only is it what we need, but it's what we deserve. If you want to support Michael Cohen's legal fund set up by Adam Parkamenko and the great team that Parkamendo has assembled called the Firewall Fund, uh, go to firewallfund.com. And uh, the uh, legal defense fund is uh, in the description of this YouTube. You'll be able to find it there as well as some of the sponsors of the show. It's in the YouTube uh, description. I, I got to show you this clip also, Cohen, of Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, the other day. She, uh, Kevin McCarthy put her on the Homeland Security Committee, and she's just been disgracing. At this point, you know, she's a disgraceful person, obviously. She's disgraceful to the MAGA Republicans, but frankly, she disgraces our country when she engaged she's out of she's an out of control human being and the MAGA Republicans put her in these key positions to basically just demonstrate how utterly out of control and how utterly despicable and evil she is. So I want to play that clip for you. And then I also want to talk about what's going on in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, mm -hmm. and also Donald Trump saying that he may not be showing up to this E. Jean Carroll case. And uh, the judge That's what he thinks. The <laughs> that's, that's what he th thinks, right? Exactly. We'll talk about that and more right after this quick commercial break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. 
Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Head to tryfume.com and use code BEAT to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code BEAT to save an additional 10% off your order today. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with a push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something cool. My wife, she recently started gardening and we've been able to use the scraps of dirt to help fill her garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week, I had my in-laws over for dinner, and the food cleanup was a breeze. Plus, they think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact, or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com beat and use the promo code BEAT to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com beat and use promo code BEAT at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. And now, back to the video. Welcome back. We are live here on Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen, and I am Ben, lift, ben, ben lift your hand up a little bit high. You want to cover the face a little bit. No, 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 a little to the side. There you go. You got you. You know, you want to be able to see when you're throwing a punch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to get me in trouble with a lot of people who see how lame I look right there. But we'll save that. We'll save that for another day. But speaking about speaking about looking lame, um, Joe Takapina was has just been sending these letter briefs to uh, Judge Lewis Kaplan, the federal judge presiding over E. Jean Carroll's civil rape and defamation case. The case is set to start. Trial begins April 25th. That's not moving. Um, so one of the big questions that Judge Lewis Kaplan was going to ask is, is Donald Trump going to show up for that trial? Just so everybody knows, in a civil case, unlike a criminal felony case, um, you don't have to show up to a civil case, even if you're a party to the civil case. So it's not like he's going to get arrested if he doesn't show up to the case. But 
Most people show up to a civil case, especially a civil case where you're being accused of rape. Um, you would want to show up so the jury knows that you are taking the case seriously. But, you know, Judge Lewis Kaplan is very smart and he knows that Donald Trump is going to try to create a circus like atmosphere. So uh, in advance of all of this, Judge Kaplan said, tell me by such and such a date, is Donald Trump going to show up or not? And so it was a brilliant move because Joe Takapina then responded and said, look, Donald Trump does not want to burden this city. Oh. You know, so, so judge, we want you to give an instruction to the jury to let them know that Donald Trump's not going to show up because it would really just be a big burden and a hassle to this court and the city. And so not only did the judge reject Takapina's request for the judge to give this instruction, but the judge said, Takapina, if that's where you're going with this, you can't tell the jury that the reason Donald Trump is not showing up is because he believes it would burden the city. You can't mention it. So Donald Trump will show up or not show up do whatever he wants to do, um, but that will be his choice to make, and the jury can infer whatever they want from that. So that was just an order that came down earlier today. Yeah, well, that's that's a typical taco penis uh, sort of maneuver. You know, it's trying to figure out how to benefit Donald Trump, right, with no, with knowledge, with just foreknowledge that, you know – the, him think about I want everyone to sit and just take a moment and think about Donald Trump when he was sitting in front of the judge uh, at the uh, district attorney's case, the look on his face. Now imagine seven or eight days of this type of a case whereby he's being accused of a series of you know sexual actions that are legitimately despicable across the board. He's afraid that every time that he moves, every look that he makes, every grimace, every pucker, you know, that he makes, that it's going to be captured on um, on film, which it would be, that this would be a problem for him. And it would also give the Democrats an opportunity to use some of that film or the footage um, or pictures in ads to run against him in, you know, in 2024. So it was a great idea. But once again, they don't think out the strategy. They don't think two moves ahead. They're like a donkey with a carrot in front of its nose in order to get him to drive forward. It's stupid. They didn't think like a chess player, um, five, 10 moves ahead of the game. And that's why they've been behind the eight ball all along. You know, it's just, it's an absolute stupid move. But then again, it's one that's 100% expected. You know, and I love the kind of chess strategy that lawyers play. And E. Jean Carroll's lawyers, led by the team of Roberta Kaplan, is just playing it brilliantly. So let, let, let me give you the strategy that they have. Sure. So they go, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer go, we don't need to call Donald Trump as a witness. So he doesn't have to show up if he doesn't want to. And you may be going... Well, why would they do that? They, they should want his testimony. Here's why. They've got his deposition where he performed horribly. So they're like, look, in our case in chief, we're going to show other victims who Donald Trump sexually assaulted. We'll play the Access Hollywood tapes. Then we're going to play Donald Trump's uh, video deposition. Then we're going to then we'll do the test direct testimony of E. Jean Carroll, and then we're going to rest. Okay. So then, who is Donald Trump's lawyers going to call? 
Well, the jury's clearly going to expect that they're going to call Donald Trump, right? So then what that allows E. Jean Carroll lawyers to do is watch the Donald Trump try to get through direct testimony. Because if Donald Trump was cross-examined first, his lawyers could then try to come in and rehabilitate that. But now what could happen, now what has to happen is either Joe Takapina is going to call Donald Trump as a witness, give, you know, take direct testimony, and then Roberta Kaplan can cross-examine on all the inaccuracies, or Takapina is just going to say, you know what, we're not going to call Trump as a witness. And then the jury's just going to be like, how do you not call Trump as a witness if he's being accused of rape? So it actually is a brilliant chess move that forces uh, Trump's lawyer, Takapina, to decide whether or not to call Donald Trump. And then if you do call Trump, you get to cross-examine him. So you still get the testimony in that in that way. And if Takapina doesn't call Trump, you go to the jury. They had the ability to bring Trump in. He wasn't here. He never showed up. He didn't take this seriously. And so you need to issue a big, big judgment here. And here's in what I fact, could promise. You know what, Ben? In fact, if if I was um if I was counsel for plaintiff in this case, in my closing argument, I would just be very straightforward and I would say, I'm not even going to talk about the defendant choosing not to be here. It is irrelevant. I want you just to listen to the facts as presented to you and make your determination based upon the irrefutable and uncontroverted facts. Nothing more, nothing less. And leave it at that. I wouldn't mention even his name because everybody already knows who the defendant is. So, yep. you know, you diminish him, uh, you know, as a human being in that case, he's merely the ghost that he wants to be. And he's not. He, I don't believe he's going to show up. I don't think he has the intestinal fortitude to sit through a trial where he is the defendant He's not able to lash out. He's not able to yell, kick, and scream or figure out how he's going to muck up the system for his own benefit because he's not in control. The judge is in control there. And while uh, the case is ongoing, uh, you know, the prosecutor, uh, I should say plaintiff's counsel in this case, is in charge and if he's not going to be there, yeah, they could make defendant uh, counsel can make their objections known and so on. But most of the time that they'll be making those objections, you're making the objections to an empty seat, right, where the defendant should be sitting. And rest assured, the uh, jury will take notice of that. E. Jean Carroll's lawyers also found out uh, by going to Trump's campaign website that Trump intended to speak in New Hampshire on April 27th. So they pointed out to the judge, hey, he's traveling out of Mar-a-Lago. So if he could go to this campaign event in New Hampshire, surely he can sit for a trial where he's being accused of rape. So going from New York, though, let's head south to Georgia in Fulton County, um, where things again are heating up there. Lots of people wanted to know, well, we heard all about this special purpose grand jury. It made this report and recommendations. Then it's kind of been silent. So what's going on? Well, the reality is, is that these grand juries meet at certain periods of time. The special purpose 
grand jury just makes recommendations. So that whole process, they take all the evidence and then they make a recommendation who should be mm-hmm. indicted. It's a weird procedure. It's like a two-step in Georgia. If you go through the special purpose grand jury, you then take those recommendations and you got to bring them before the grand jury. The same way in Manhattan, a grand jury voted to criminally indict, not a special purpose. They don't have that process in Manhattan, but in Georgia, it's a two-step if you go through that process. Special purpose, then actual grand jury. The actual grand jury meets in May. So what's been happening between special purpose grand jury report Mm -hmm. and grand jury? Well, Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis and her team have been interviewing and and meeting with all of these potential um, uh, people who can be criminally indicted and kind of giving them a last shot. Hey, you want to testify uh, against others or are you going to go down? Because we can't tell you what's in this report, but now's now's your last shot. And specifically, she's focused on the fake electors, these individuals, 16 of them. But she's focused specifically on this group of 10 that's all represented by one lawyer. And they all affix their names to basically a fake declaration saying that Trump won and they sent that to be counted. Um, by Pence on January 6th. So it was a whole fake elector slate, even though Biden won the state of uh, of Georgia and these weren't the real electors. So a lot of these fake electors now are turning on each other. And one of the issues here that uh, Fawny Willis is pointing out to Judge McBurney, who's overseeing it, is, is that they're all being represented by the same lawyer who seems to be engaged in the motion, this is what Fawny Willis says, in unethical conduct of trying to coordinate their testimony so they don't flip on each other, basically, when they want to. And certain of them are going to be offered or have been offered immunity, but the lawyer didn't even convey to them that they could get immunity if they would testify against each other. But you know, I know there are lots of people who are like, I really want these prosecutions to happen right away. But you know, these changes don't happen overnight, right? It was this diligent process that 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 led this to happen, Cohen. Hey, Ben, isn't this exactly the same that we saw with the January 6th insurrectionists where, you know, there's so many of them and then they started turning on each other. But the problem that we have with these MAGA Republicans is that they believe that by saying stupid shit, on whether it's comments here on the political beatdown, whether it's saying stupid shit on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever else that they end up trolling, that it makes a it makes any difference whatsoever. And let me be very clear to especially the ones that are watching now and that they just like to see their comments go up. It doesn't it doesn't fucking matter what you say. Nothing matters what you say, because truth be told, you don't even know the facts. But what makes you legitimately stupid is the fact that you don't want to know facts, that you would rather continue to promote and to regurgitate misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, all for the benefit of who? A guy who wouldn't walk across the street and piss on you if you were in fire on fire to save your life because that means he'd have to cross the street. But yet you will sit there and continue to promote, again, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation for what purpose? Now, you could be a one party type or a a one issue type of a voter. That's fine. That's fine. I could understand that. But when you start to engage in conversation that absolutely is inaccurate and 
your sole purpose is just what? Again, dissemination of false information. I'm not sure why you think that that benefits. Forget about yourself. Why does that in any way, shape, or form benefit society or holding somebody accountable? You know, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. And when they start to attack, you know, me, oh, now you're a grifter because you were asking uh, on this um, GoFundMe, not $1 goes to me, unlike your Fuhrer, who in his super PAC, gets 90% of all funds raised. He has total discretion, total discretion over. Do you know what that means? That means that he can use the 90%, 90 cents of every dollar for whatever the hell he wants. He wants to buy a new plane. Well, it's in. The, it's his rights because you, you acknowledged it when you made the donation on his form. He could buy a fucking Bugatti if that's what he wants to do. And there's nothing anybody could do about me. I'm not touching the money. I don't see the money. It goes right to the legal fees in order to protect our, our rights, in order to ensure accountability for the benefit of this country. So the distinctions are so vast. But again, these maggots, these these stupid fucking people who have no clue what they're talking about, and their sole goal is just to spew hate and dissent and vitriol amongst us. We can't allow it to happen, and it's why I thank every single one of you for being a brigader, for joining Political Beatdown day and on Tuesdays and on Thursdays and following me on Mea Culpa through social media, the Midas Touch Network, Midas Mighty all of the various different programs, because our goal combined is to ensure that these representatives like the Marjorie Toilet Greens, like the Ted Cruz's, like Kevin McCarthy, the fact that they're, for example, with the debt ceiling, the fact that they're holding over Joe Biden's head, the full faith and credit of this country, right? Ignoring the fact that Democrats didn't do that to Donald three times three times during his presidency. They didn't do it because they care more about America than they do about appeasing a party of one, a fucking fat, lard-ass, orange-crusted Mandarin Mussolini. They want to back this piece of shit instead of the Constitution, democracy, and the United States of America. And I don't understand it. And I, don't, I can never understand it because it makes no sense. The contrast could not have been clearer yesterday at a Homeland Security Committee hearing. Oh. On the on the one hand, right, you have Congress member Eric Swalwell, a former prosecutor, very successful prosecutor, cares deeply about the Constitution, who's just pointing out that the House GOP judiciary would tweet out Elon Musk, Kanye West, Donald Trump, and, and supporting Kanye and Donald Trump. And uh, Congressman Swalwell also pointed out, you've got these MAGA Republicans supporting defund FBI, defund you know the police efforts and all of the things that they're spewing in service of Donald Trump. So that's on the one hand, right? And then on the other hand, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, MAGA Republican uh, extremist. And I want you to watch what happens um, when Congressman Eric Swalwell is just pointing out, frankly, how bizarre some of these positions are being taken by an official House Judiciary GOP account and how Marjorie Taylor Greene responds. Let's uh, let's uh, play this clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
was kept up for months after Kanye West said that he was going to declare DEFCON 3 on the Jews. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that all of us have a responsibility to elevate our rhetoric and to denounce anti-Semitism and anti-police rhetoric in this country so that Jewish Americans and police officers can be safer? Congressman, I do. Thank you, and I yield back. The gentleman yields, and now I recognize the gentlelady from Georgia, Ms. Green. That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I move to take our words down. Completely inappropriate. Yeah, stand by just a second while we research the rule. Um, give me just a second. Could you imagine, right, Secretary of Defense Mayorkas sitting Security. there before, and I know um, of Homeland Security, uh, I know because I have been to those sorts of hearings seven times, seven times, and I know the vitriol that spews from the mouth, if you could even call that mouth, it's a fucking toilet, right, uh, of Marjorie Taylor Greene, when you want to sit there and make these allegations, it is a lie, right? He did not have an affair with a Chinese spy and so on. You know, the person who had the affair was Marjorie Taylor Greene on her husband, but that's not even relevant. It's not relevant to the point. Her point is not to attack the fact that the House GOP were praising Kanye and Trump and Elon and so on in their tweet, right? It's not to attack the veracity of that statement or to explain why they did it in the first place, but instead go straight for the fucking jugular, go right onto the attack. You know, they always say, if you can't, you know, if you can't baffle them with your brilliance, dazzle them with your bullshit. And that's what she's doing. She's sitting there and she's spewing this fucking hatred, you know, this hatred and this vitriolic comments to a man who is before the entire country on television themselves as well for what? For points to Donald J. Trump. That way she could sit there and say, hey, Donnie, Donnie, look at me, look at me, look what I did for you, right? I turn around, I call them a, I call them a cheater, I call them a liar, I call them a pervert, look, look what I did for you. I want to be your vice president. Let me tell you something, you know, I remember when a lot of people were making fun of um, of what, what you would call it, John McCain when he chose uh, what what's her name uh, for Sarah Palin. Yeah, Sarah Palin, Saturday Night Live. Sarah Palin, right? Who saw Alaska? Uh, who saw Russia from her home in Alaska? I mean, I remember when he decided to take her on as the nominee, and people were scratching their head and saying, "I'm dumbfounded. This is the stupidest move I've ever seen." The even stupider move would be for someone like Donald Trump to bring on, you know, Marjorie Toilet Green as his vice president. Could you imagine that as a running ticket? Can you find two more, two less competent people, two more despicable human beings to run for the highest offices? The highest offices in the land. What happened to decency? What's happened to honesty? What's happened to, you know, some sort of empathy for others? It doesn't exist in these two. They are two yeah. peas in a pod. 
Well, the answer that I have for you, what happened is Fox and the Republican Party. You mentioned Sarah Palin. Um, although there was a small constituency, very small constituency that was supportive of that, the whole Tea Party thing, by and large, uh, America, yep. all media were able to basically look at that and agree to an objective reality that that was problematic, that that is not what America stands for. However, over time, that's been eroded. Media uh, media networks in general, not just Fox, but large media networks that do the whole both sides-ism stuff have really failed in what their purpose is. You know, and- ben, ben, I just want to say one last thing in terms of that. You know, like um, Cheyenne put it up on in terms of comments that it would be a guaranteed win for Democrats. And that's true. I still don't want to see that. I don't want to see that two despicable human beings like Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene to have the ability to run for a period of a year with their advertisements, with their perversion, with their sickness and with their vitriol. Could you imagine what's going to happen to this country? Could you imagine the hatred that's going to be spewed on a daily basis? Could you imagine the additional fighting that's going to go on between both sides, Democrats versus Republicans, Republicans versus Democrats, the fighting over legitimate gun regulations and so on, and the fact that more people will end up getting hurt from gun violence, more children will end up getting killed, and they will turn around and they'll give you the fucking hands emoji, prayers and sympathy to anybody that puts that up, you know, that has the ability to put an end to it. And I'm talking about these members of Congress that would rather wear an AR-15 pin than to turn around and to put forth sensible gun legislation. Fuck you. You don't have the right to say sympathy and prayers because the these dead children and the blood and the sadness that these families are going and they're, they're living with every single day, that's on you. That's on your hands and in your soul. And you just can't walk away from it by saying prayers and sympathy. Fuck that. No more. No more. Look, and that's why we have political beatdown. That's why we have mea culpa. That's why we have the Midas Touch Network, as large media networks have failed in their both sides approach. And then, of course, you have uh, Fox, which is just injecting disinformation into the veins of its viewers and all of the other kind of MAGA right wing extremist echo chamber uh, media that is seeking to destroy our democracy. It is important to be unapologetically pro-democracy. We can no longer talk about things as, oh, Democrats, liberals, progressives, Republicans, conservative. No, that that's not what exists anymore. You have those who are focused on pro-democracy, liberals, progressives, people who are genuinely conservative, people not affiliated with political parties, people who don't use any of those kind of terminology, independence, where we could have intelligent conversations, we could disagree with each other, but ultimately we care about our democracy, our constitution, humanity, compassion, and intelligence. And on the other side, you have MAGA Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene and and Donald Trump that support authoritarianism and fascism and, um, and attack education 
information and want to spread disinformation. And we make that clear here on Political Beatdown. We make it clear on the Midas Touch Network. Hey, make sure you're all subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. It's free to subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Check out Michael Cohen's Firewall Fund. It's in the description uh, set up by Adam Parkimenko to help out the legal defense for uh, Michael Cohen. Uh, that's in the description. Our sponsors are in the description as well. Um, I appreciate the support of our sponsors here. That's you know one of the ways that allow us to have the, the research that we do and the editing that takes place. So please, if you can, um, support uh, our sponsors. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Salty, who you don't get to see, but Salty does an incredible job. You could Best. all put out those Salty emojis. And of course, Thank you, Michael Cohen. I enjoy spending all this time with you as well. Everybody, check out Michael Cohen's book, Revenge, wherever books and audio books were sold, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. Check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the Marilardo Correctional Facility shirts, which is the official Mea Culpa podcast shirt. Check out Mea Culpa podcast as well. And wherever you get your audio podcasts, if you're a YouTube watcher, Please do Michael Cohen and I a favor, subscribe on audio podcast as well. Just search political beatdown, whether you use Spotify or Apple or Anchor, Google, whatever you use, subscribe on audio podcast, search political beatdown. If you just listen to this on audio podcast, subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for watching political beatdown. Thank you to our brigaders and shout out to the Midas Mighty. I'll work on that stance. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.